You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. We need any cash out of your home in a simple way to get it, Rocket Can. Doing a radio show is an amazing way to make a living. You're basically Peter Pan. And one of my favorite things is that I get to have conversations with guys that when I was just a random, lowly sports writer at the Kansas City Star, instead of a lowly sports radio talk show host now, um, people that I looked up to, whose work I really admire, you could just have on the show and talk sports with. And that absolutely applies to Dan Wetzel. I think, I hope everybody at CBS is, is not listening, I think he's the best national columnist writing about sports in the country. He does that for Yahoo Sports, and he joins us right now on the show. And he's written a bunch of books for kids that my kids love, and they don't believe that I know him, which tells you the esteem they hold me in. Hello, Mr. Wetzel. <laughs> you are never lowly, but thank you for all of that. Thank you. <laughs> it's all it's all true. You were, you were a very good reporter at the Kansas City Star, Fox, and everywhere else, so don't uh, worry about Dan, that. Dan Wetzel, also willing to lie on national radio to the host <laughs> and further <laughs> to the audience. I love it. That's very kind of you as well. Uh, you're a Michigan guy. You're in Michigan. Let's let's start there. Uh, under Harbaugh, last few years, Michigan looks excellent. Is there any kind of lesson, if you're an AD or you're a fan base around the country, about patience or, or, or program building, maybe on a timeline that is different than most people want to accept in our you-have-to-get-it-done-now society? Uh, sure. I mean, I think the thing with Harbaugh was he had a lot of credibility because he had been a very good college coach and an NFL coach, right? He built Stanford up uh, from nothing. And um, and then it obviously taken the 49ers to the Super Bowl. He also was an alum. He had a lot of goodwill. But, yeah, they were – they were upset after 2020 when the team really was 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 bad. But uh, there is a little more patience and understanding of what you can be. Uh, he's put this group together these last two years that are a lot more like his old Stanford teams that caused a lot of trouble. Extremely physical, running the ball. Um, you know, I, I think with Harbaugh, he, find, he has his personnel and he figures out how to win. It's not just one system or anything like that. So obviously the patience has worked uh, very very well for uh, for Michigan since they tried to since there was a um, you know since they wanted to fire him uh, or there was a lot of pipe to fire him he's they're they're nineteen and two so uh, it's going really well and they you know you gotta you gotta win the games in college football but it's a pretty clear path getting to 11 and 0 and walking into Columbus and if you're the Michigan Wolverines or you're the Ohio State Buckeyes that's pretty much all you can ask for is get to undefeated at the end and and see what happens between the uh between the two of you Dan Wetzel here on the show Dan you wrote about this at Yahoo and I'm, I'm curious your perspective for for this audience that approach that Harbaugh is taking that you just talked about which is you know a bit of a throwback I think that's the term that, that you actually use in the in, in the piece to what degree do you think it can be successful against the Ohio States, and beyond that, if you're able to beat Ohio State, teams like Alabama or Tennessee or Georgia or whoever it may be? Well, that's the tough part, right? Um, but it's hard to beat Alabama and Georgia, especially in, in January. Um, they pushed Ohio State around last year, and it was, uh, it was you know, that was the thing about that game. They didn't just win. They, they, they mauled them on both lines. They ran the ball. They controlled the game. It was not a close game. And, and Ohio State made an adjustment, brought in a new defensive coordinator, and they are vowing to be just as tough as Michigan uh, this year. So you can beat Ohio State this way. Uh, when they got against Georgia, they couldn't. Now, Georgia's defense and their defensive line was 
just ridiculously good last year. And so maybe nobody uh, can have that kind of success against Georgia. You're dealing with teams uh, in Alabama, Georgia, some of these uh, LSU some years that just are really strong on the defensive line. It's hard to maul them. Um, but I think what you're trying to do is a little bit different. We, you know, they're not going to have as much, as many skill players uh, and that skill offense as those teams in the SEC. But a lot of those defenses are built to stop uh, whatever we're calling the, the you know, these these wide open offenses with a spread or an air raid kind of influence thing. And as such, you have smaller linebackers and you have some smaller guys that maybe if you have a big kind of road grading offensive line, it can work. But, you know, Michigan has won, uh, shared a national title in 1997, and it's the only title they had since, like, the 50s. This is not a team that ever was just cranking out national titles or thought that. Uh, the great Bo Schembechler never won a national title. Uh, you know, it was just beat Ohio State half the time, get to the Rose Bowl where they'd often lose. So it's a, just a totally different thing. And I think if you're Michigan and you're contending when you go to Columbus and you get into a playoff and see what happens, um, that's a very, very reasonable standard of, of excellence that you shouldn't really apologize for. You can try to out Alabama, Alabama, but I don't know if that's possible. And, uh, you know, maybe you can win a game this way, maybe not. We'll, we're going to find out at the end of the year. Dan Wetzel here on the show. I'm Bill Ryder on CBS Sports Radio. Dan, let me give you a scenario, and you tell me what you think should happen and what you think will happen. Let's say that Tennessee wins every game that remains on their schedule other than against Georgia. And Georgia wins every game on their schedule, other than a championship, SEC championship game against Alabama. And Alabama just wins every game that's in front of them. And you have th- what we would have three one-loss SEC teams who've all beat each other in a four-team college football playoff world. What happens then? <laughs> the committee uh, is <laughs> committee drinks a lot that weekend, <laughs> and then ducks. Yeah. Uh, all right. So first off, you'd have to have some other help. I mean, look, uh, you know, how are there? What if TCU runs the table and is undefeated? What if UCLA runs the table? And then what if Ohio State runs the table? Right. So you have three undefeated other teams. That's where it gets really dicey because uh, you just take one SEC team. Is it Bama? Very hard. But if that fades down to just one team, let's say it's just Ohio State or Michigan and TCU stumbles and UCLA. Um, we were looking at it on our podcast, like they have a better case than almost everyone. Cause if you look at the non-conference games, um, the, the strength of schedule, the strength of victory, all these different things, it's really hard to keep Georgia and, and Tennessee out. Georgia beat Oregon by like 75 points in the opening week. Uh, so, you know, you sit there and say, well, yeah, you're, you're in the pac 12. We destroyed one of your best teams really hard you know it, it's it's unfathomable that you would have three teams for one conference but under that scenario how do you say no how do you how do you figure that out um it you know alabama has a loss but it's literally in the last second play at the wildest scene you'll ever see so that scenario could very very well happen the big thing is going to be how many undefeated champions from other conferences in there i, I forgot about clemson too i'm not even forgetting clemson uh, what if Clemson's undefeated, right? How do you keep them out, or how do you? Eat? So that's what's going to be. But if if there's a bunch of stumbling going on, um, yeah, absolutely, you could see it. This is they have been clear on this. The goal of the committee is best four teams. 
That's it. Best four teams. And you start looking, projecting out those resumes, and obviously we don't know how they'll win games or whatever. There's a bunch of scenarios where the best four resumes are exactly what you said. One lost Tennessee, one lost Georgia, one lost Alabama. Do they have the courage to do it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, it would be wild, but it Get is Get that awesome. whiskey ready. Get yeah, that whiskey ready. Black jacket. Uh, yeah, it's – but you could see it. But again, if Clem, well, you know, Clemson and Ohio State go undefeated, they're going to get in. So now that that kind of takes becomes a moot point. But TCU, you know, and 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 UCLA, right now it's a big mess, but it'll, it'll sort itself out. Dan Wetzel here on the show. Dan, I know it's hard to project future success of coaches who don't have a job yet. But as best you can, what level of of success or or not do you think Matt Rule will be wherever he lands next in college? Uh, you know, look, based on his, his track record, very, very good. I mean, he, he took Temple and got him to two 10-win seasons, which is, you know, monstrous success for Temple. He took over a, a, a mess in Baylor. Uh, it was right after the whole sexual assault scandal. There was NCAA violations coming down. Half the team transferred. Baylor's name was not, you know, this is not a, a, a it was a damaged brand. And they started, uh, they started like 0 and 8, and I think 2 and 10 on the year. And within two years, he's 11 and 3. So he is a very, very good track record um, in college football. And I think he has now the ability to either take the job he he mostly wants this year or wait. Uh, you know, he's getting paid like 840 grand a month from the from the uh, Panthers. He could sit back and take a TV job for a year and wait. Uh, my guess is he'd be he'd be very successful. The odds are very good, but one thing about college football is you just you just never know until that circumstance gets there. So it's never foolproof. One thing that we've chewed over Dan Wetzel in, in, in the context of Matt Rule is just assuming he wanted a job as soon as next year rolls around, right? He he wants to work. What's the better gig today? Not tradition, but like today, Nebraska or Wisconsin? Do you, do you have a strong feeling on whether or not Nebraska still is a, a big job if, if the right person wants it, would want it? I, I think Nebraska can have a lot of success still, and I think um, name, image, and likeness will help them in that. They have a tremendous fan base, boosters, and interest, and the one thing they don't have is geography. There's just not a lot of players in their area or in their state. So, But the one thing that can kind of level that playing field is, is money. And if you can offer a little bit more money or a better situation, then kids will, will get on a plane and go. I would personally take Wisconsin over Nebraska simply because of that proximity talent. You know, Madison, Wisconsin's, uh, you know, an hour from parts of the Chicago suburbs, uh, maybe an hour and a half. So you, you, they've always done really well in that area. The state does better, uh, you know, closer flights to, uh, you know, Michigan and Ohio where a lot, Indiana where a lot of the Big Ten players. I, I would always go where the players are because it's just you're you're climbing less of a hill. But I, I don't doubt that Nebraska with the right guy can be can be very good. It's a tremendous place to go play football, and it's a very unique situation where you know if you're the quarterback or you're the star of that team, you are by far the biggest thing in the, in the entire state that really loves football, and there's a lot of support. So, uh, but I'd still take Nebraska, I'd still take Wisconsin over Nebraska. Deanna started the interview uh, asking about whether. You know, patience should be more instrumental in building a program. Now I'm asking whether Marcus Freeman should be fired yesterday. Not really, but but at Notre Dame, 
right? Obviously, certain standards need to be met there. It's a very rabid fan base. There's expectations. When you just look at what's going on with that program and that first-year head coach, what do you think should and what do you think will happen if, if the losing continues this year? Well, I think they'll, they'll switch coordinators and things like that. I would not fire Marcus Freeman. Look, if you're going to hire a first-time head coach who's 35 years old, you can't expect him to be Bill Belichick and, 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 and have all the experience. Like, you're hiring him to kind of grow into that job. And it, it, it's the same way if you hire somebody from – like, LSU hired Brian Kelly. Now, his, this is an excellent coach. And, and I'll get more to that. But you can't expect Brian Kelly to hit the ground in Louisiana in the Deep South and immediately recruit like he had been Ed Orgeron, right, and been the Ole Miss head coach in Miami and all that, right? So you have to give – and Brian Kelly's recruiting is pretty good, but he went national this first year. You have to give them time to develop whatever you need to develop. Um, and so you have to hope that Marcus Freeman becomes – a better coach. The thing about Notre Dame, I kept saying all last summer after Kelly left and, uh, you know, Notre Dame fans were excited because Marcus Freeman's a really likable guy and he's recruiting very, very well. And that's a big part of this. Um, And so they should continue to get players and get quarterbacks and things like that. But it's like, you're going to miss Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly wins games. This team may be no better. This Notre Dame team under Brian Kelly than, than, uh, Marcus Freeman, but they're almost certainly five and one. They find a way to beat Marshall. They find a way to beat Stanford. Brian Kelly wins games, and he's going to be really successful at LSU. And look at this LSU team. They look terrible in week one. They're five and two, and they got Ole Miss coming this week. They got out. They can still do a lot of good things. Brian Kelly's won at Division Two. He won at Cincinnati. He won at Central Michigan. He won at Notre Dame. Like, he's a great coach. So, you got to you. You hire Marcus Freeman. You hire a thirty-five-year-old guy who's uh, first never been a coach. You have to sit there and say, "Look, this may take a couple years, but look at these recruits we're getting. Look at how much we like them. All that. If you're going to need jerk and fire a guy because he's three and three and lost a couple games they shouldn't, that that'd be ridiculous." Um, All right, Dan, so, go yeah, ahead. last one go for on. you, and it's on a similar theme. And I know we're running out of time here, but I, I want your take on this. Chip Kelly, and you met you sort of references. UCLA is undefeated. They're playing really well. He's in year, is it year five or six? I mean, he's been there for a minute, and I can tell you as a guy that lives in L.A., the fan base has tried to fire him every year since he got here. When you look at what's going on in Westwood, do you think, again, story of patience and t- or time, do you think what's happening at UCLA reflects a consistent level of winning that Chip Kelly can now deliver? Um. They should be good, and, and why they weren't good sooner is, is like kind of a mystery, right? Great coach. Now he's in a place where he's got all his players around. He's running his program his way, though. It's not as recruiting-based. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know if they're top five all the time or whatever they are right now, sixth or seventh in the country. But um, they can be very good, and they should be very good building up going into the, uh, into the, the, the uh, Big Ten. Uh, it would be nice if they had more fans show up at the games and things like that. I'm sure they'd like that, but – uh, we'll see what they do this weekend as he goes back to to Oregon. But yeah, there's patience there. There's also no money to fire him. Um, but if you let a really good coach and give him some time, then yeah, they should be able to figure this out. And Chip Kelly is one of the best college coaches we've ever seen, and it's starting to uh, get there. You thought, hey, this should be rolling in two years. It wasn't, but it's rolling now, and you got to be pretty happy about that. 
Dan Wetzel is very easy to find on Twitter because it's at Dan Wetzel, uh, the best national sports columnist in the country, does a great podcast, used to be a poker dealer, super interesting dude, as you heard here on the show. Mr. Wetzel, love having you on, buddy. I know it's a busy time. Thanks for, um, thanks for making time. Thank you, man. Anytime. Hi, right, brother. Be good. Dan Wetzel on the show. So this is a professional jealousy slash professional respect thing. I, I, you know, I'm probably not, but I like to pride myself as a fairly good writer, not with an R E I T E R. Wetzel blows me and everyone else out of the water. The guy is so good at his job. He really is. And, and the college football insight is is on point. Love the interview. Great stuff. Appreciate Dan. We went a little long, but don't worry. We got we're gonna get to Riverdale. That's T Cell's new thing. And buy or sell, that's always his thing. Headlines and sports to take on each one. Stuff we haven't hit yet next year on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. By the way, guys, last hour we were talking a little sly and several people. Stu McCallister, not Connor Green, who I assume is not. Actually, Connor Green. Mike Lamb, among others. Demolition Man is the movie, as not Connor Green said, uh, with Wesley Snipes. Or as Stu McCallister said, where Stallone is frozen and brought back. Demolition Man. Was Stallone Judge Dredd? We just mixed up Stallone vehicles. Shame on us. Which one is Judge Dredd there, Sly Superfan? Tom DeCelestino? Mm. I got nothing on that one. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. No idea. Well, uh, very excited to do uh, Buy or Sell, because D-Cell said it's the best he's ever put together. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. That's a really big standard to lay out for yourself, Tom. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to follow up and double down on it, Bogus. This first question today is dedicated to you. Perhaps we're getting more of an understanding as to why Bill Belichick and the Patriots have been noncommittal about Mac Jones being their starting quarterback when he is healthy again. Jones, of course, is still dealing with an ankle injury, and according to a report from Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer, Mac Jones is not interested in undergoing ankle surgery, even though that's what the Patriots would reportedly prefer. Breer also cites that Jones was not thrilled with New England re- replacing offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels this offseason with the combination of Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. If only anybody would have warned them about that. <laughs> Buy or sell the Patriots and Mac Jones being able to work through this reported friction. I mean, I don't know how to answer that because I don't know to what degree Mac Jones has a choice. Sounds like Bailey Zappy time to me. It could be Bailey. I read a really good column bogus the other day from somebody whose name I forget. So it's one of these like where people are like, I read something that mm-hmm. I now make up, but I'm not making it up. I wish I could remember who wrote it. Pointing out that Bill Belichick pulled a crazy move back in the day when he let a, a nobody named Tom Brady just keep on playing. Yeah, no, let's definitely compare Bailey Zappi to the greatest. I'm not the one who did it. The nameless, excellent, worthy of your respect columnist on my Apple News feed did. And I'm only getting on you because you said no matter what, they have to go back to Mac Jones. That's the only reason I'm getting on you. That's fine. Now, I will point out that I... I believe Albert Breer went on to say, Ooh, if you want to look at it the way I do, facts. that Mac Jones was right in the end because Mac Jones didn't want surgery. The Pats wanted to have surgery, and now he's going to be back 
in the time frame surgery would have created. So he thought he could have rested and healed and rehabbed in the same amount of time. The surgery is meant to speed things up, but he's going to be back on that speeded up schedule anyway. So we... But that doesn't mean the friction's not there, whether no, no, who was right or wrong. And somebody else... Um, Unless the Patriots come out and say, our bad, sorry for suggesting surgery right. when you didn't and, need it. And I think Ben Volan reported that Mac Jones has gotten a little conceited and needs to get knocked down a post or two. So maybe it's this... all spelling Bailey Zappi to me. I'm going to buy they're going to work through it, but I'm with you on Bailey Zappi. Bye. So we may be right now watching Bill Belichick trying to knock Mac Jones down a peg and then give him his job back. As you so, drop your pen in celebration, <laughs> D-Cell. Let me just circle back to no one is comparing yet Bailey Zappi to Tom Brady. But there might be a Drew Bloodsoe to Mac Jones comparison, which Bloodsoe just signed this massive contract for the Times, and the Patriots drafted Jones with a, what, first-round pick, which is rare for them. Maybe it's more about the willingness to move away from someone that you think you'd be, you'd be yoked to. I just, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And on my D-cell, I'll admit it and pay my punishment. I just can't imagine that they are already prepared to pull the plug on a Mac Jones experiment. But it doesn't but, even matter who starts, whether when Mac comes back, if he starts or not. Just the idea that no matter what, we're already at the point where Mac has to start when he's healthy. Right, yeah, I, no, I, I still an, stand by that. I have an honest question. I have an honest question for you, D-cell. And this is not meant to rile you guys. I'm... I'm Buy or sell Bogus has, I can't remember, has ever admitted he's wrong on anything on the show. Buy. Okay, has he? He oh. has. Do I remember the topic? I don't, but I know Love he that. has. Thank you. Uh, Bogus, buy or sell, D-Cell has. That's a sell. Sell. No, I want to say that D-Cell will admit he's wrong, but no. then doesn't do the punishment, like show us his biceps. No, that's just losing a bet. I don't think Tom has ever admitted he's wrong. We don't know if I'm right about Trey Lance yet. Haven't been proven right or wrong. Uh, Jordan Poole just got paid. I think I've been proven right there. What other take? What other crazy Did Jordan Poole start last night or did Steph Curry start? I don't remember. See, I pulled a fast one. The reason you've never admitted you're wrong is you've never been wrong. (laughs) There, I'm glad we got to the bottom of it. You did it. All right. The more football, the better, right? Well, we'll see about that one. The NFL announced yesterday that they plan to schedule their first ever Black Friday game next year. And it'll be streamed on Amazon's Prime Video. My question to you, Bill. Buy or sell the NFL playing on Black Friday next season? Buy, and I'll go further. Buy. Better day to watch football than Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, you're, you're, you're helping out. You're running around. You're making food. Family's in town. Friday, you've eaten so much turkey. You've gotten up on no sleep hungover. You've had a turkey sandwich. You've opened the red wine at 10 in the morning. Does this sound familiar? You're sitting on the couch. You can't move. The ladies and some of the guys are going shopping, but you used to work at Walmart. You want nothing to do with Black Friday ever again. And you're just like, I guess I'm going to watch Netflix. I mean, should I watch, you know, Only Murders in the Building again? Nope, nope, football this time. I'd rather have football on Black Friday than Thanksgiving. I want them both days. Give me one, though. Give me Friday. Hot take. Hot take. And again, we've got the NFL no longer caring about college football. Because when we have the Iron Bowl, some, there's some rivalry games on that Black we Friday. We see eye to eye on that one. Black Friday is supposed to be all about college football. NFL doesn't care. And the NFL does not care. And the NFL will take it over with one single game. Absolutely. And you know that they're going to schedule great games. 
in like, Broncos Bears. <laughs> How dare you? That actually made a small part of me die. <laughs> uh, I have a buy or sell question. Even though we're go- you know we're late, we're going off track. Buy or sell? Either of you are James Corden fans. Is that the guy's name? Uh, I'll buy that. Yes, from CBS Late Night. Buy. Yeah. What do you make of? Uh, have you followed this story that he, that he's, he was outed by a restaurant tour in New York? I think it is for allegedly being the worst customer ever and being banned, and then he's pushing back saying not fair. And they've the this celebrity influencer Instagram chef owner guy is. Are you guys followed this story? Has said here's the way he behaved to our servers. I mean that's like call it. Either you are the worst person ever to to waitstaff, or that is really unfair. Because that's a pretty big accusation, that you treat people badly at restaurants. You're going to get mad at me, but this is one of the things I decided not to learn about on purpose. I saw people tweeting about it. I saw a headline that he's banned from Balthazar. And I was like, I don't, I don't need to know what any of this stuff is. Well, now you do. I do. You don't want to know whether celebrities are bad tippers, are rude to service people. Like, you don't, that doesn't interest you? Of whether somebody's a good guy or not? Um, I, I mean, now that I know more details, I'm slightly intrigued. But when well, I, you I have to read the story associated yeah. with the headline to the find best, that information out. But I'm, but I'm good. I'm good. The best part of it, though, is that the accusation's true or not true. Certainly paint a picture of a poorly run restaurant. Like, that was my takeaway. Like, you brought him the wrong food three times? Is Even that... on the, like, tur- send this back, I didn't order this, then you brought fries instead of a salad? I mean, I wouldn't. I'm pretty chill in those situations, but I got buddies who are not. People can be, you know, people can be angry when you bring them the wrong food. I don't think Bogus gets angry. I think he wants He's to stay there. I got angry the other day, actually, because I uh, I had something sent to me. Uh, I ordered a cooler, like a, you know, cooler you'd bring to the park or the whatever, and it came, clearly it had been used and returned. And I didn't, buy a refurbished thing or anything like that. Like, I bought a new one. So when I called to be like, you sent me... Uh, and like, I wasn't angry to begin with, but they were like, okay, we'll put another one in the mail. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't... like I, you, As you should, but like, you're not going to, like, give me a discount. Like, there, you should, like, there should have been some things like so you right. make up for their mistake. And the lady was so short with me, that made me angry. You get to keep the used cooler. I don't. Got to send that bad boy back. All right. Yeah. Don't send it back. Make no, and they charged me for it. Oh, I see. They got me. I got to send it back. Did you pay by credit card? I think I paid by credit card points. Okay. I don't need two coolers either. Well, I just meant out of, out of pure spite. No, that seems unnecessary. Okay. All right. The Baltimore Ravens yesterday signed 35-year-old wide receiver Deshaun Jackson to their practice squad with the expectation that Jackson would get elevated to the game roster. Now, the Ravens are looking to become more of a threat downfield. Lamar Jackson, their quarterback, is averaging, or excuse me, is converting just 21% of his passes that travel at least 20 yards in the air this season. That's the second worst in the entire NFL. Buy or sell Deshaun Jackson helping the Ravens offense this year? Sell. <laughs> sell. I think, what did you say? He's 82 now? Uh, 35. 35. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. But in football years, that's about 82. Very similar. Um, no. I, I think Deshaun Jackson's days of helping offenses has, uh, has, has gone away. And I think if he were going to beat the odds, he would need a quarterback who could get him the football. Does it feel like a desperation move, like already for Baltimore? Like we're entering week seven, and they feel like a desperate team. 
Yeah, no, it's like a Rocky Six. It's just, it's just give up the ghost. Could Move be entertaining, on. though. Maybe not a great storyline, but it's probably entertaining. I mean, maybe I'll watch Shimmer Six. I love Rocky One, but it's hard to watch that scene now and not laugh. You should go back and see it. This is a pet peeve of mine that you just did right there. Rocky One. Rocky One is Rocky. Rocky, okay. People, Rocky, do, Rocky. people do that all the time with, like, sequels and trilogies. It's just the regular one. Like, it's just Rocky. You just said the regular one. Well, like, the regular one, not the regular number one. Rocky One's, you know, good movie. Doesn't it become Rocky 1 once there's, like, how, I think once you get to four more, you can call it one. No, I think D-Cell's right here. Like, we, it's, it's just Rocky, just like it's just Jaws. And if you, and if you say Rocky or Rocky. Jaws, people need to understand that you're talking about the first one. I think that's, that should be assumed. So I think D-Cell's right here. Rocky 1 is another way of saying it's the first Rocky. Yeah, but it's just Rocky. It's not called Rocky 1. The other ones have the numerals after Rocky in the title. This one just says Rocky. My name's William Ryder. People call me Bill. Sometimes, you know, you shorten things up or you make you a little clarity. Apples to apples. Apples to oranges. No, yeah, you crushed that expression. Whoops. Apples to apples. I desailed it. Oh, no. Me, that, come on. Where does that come wow. from, by the way? Apples to apples. Why would you compare apples to apples? Right. Why would you compare apples to oranges? Exactly. They're clearly two different things. Yeah. F- forks to refrigerators. Okay. I mean. <laughs> Your point is? They're different things. I got it. <laughs> Who has ever pulled up an apple and an orange? Be like, oh, let's compare these. Wow. These are very totally different things. <laughs> Segue off of that. I mean, you guys started off, Bogus started off by defending me, and then we got that I don't understand comparisons. Like, it just, it happens to me every single time. No, I just meant that you Yeah, that, that I a messed mistake. up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it wasn't, com- <laughs> wasn't comparison specific. <laughs> All right, let's get to some hoops here. The Nets take on the Pelicans tonight, and Kevin Durant was heaping praise on Zion Williamson this week. Does his skill set in his brain remind you of anybody who has come through, or is he unique in that? Uh, I mean, you're saying, you're saying guys that, that, that size six, seven, that, that can get up and down the floor and that can move, but not like not at that level, though. But Zion athleticism trumps all of theirs by far, and um, when you add that to the mix, it makes them a one-on-one. KD calling Zion one-of-one. My question to you, Bill, buy or sell that Zion Williamson is one-of-one. One. I mean, how am I supposed to answer? Like, what, what does that even mean? KD, I, I, I mean, he's not a twin. There's not 50 of them. <laughs> I love that you're taking it literally. It's not Michael Keaton multiplicity, which is grossly underrated. I love the Michael Keaton Renaissance, by the way. Um, one of one, meaning he's a unique talent, unlike anything we've ever seen. Well, that he's a unicorn. How do I withhold judgment? Because he's. I'm going to sell for now. Here's why. Sell. It is not unique to have a would-be unicorn not live up to that status because they are injured all the time. And it brings down what was supposed to be their, their career-defining excellence, whether it's you know Greg Oden or poor Grant Hill, who obviously had much more of a career, or, or, or any number of other guys. So, so, so maybe, but I haven't seen it yet. All right, let's finish up in the NBA here. The Suns will host the Mavericks tonight. Phoenix, of course, Finished with the top record in the entire NBA last season, winning 64 games, while the Mavs were the ones who bounced the Suns from the playoffs in the second round last season. 
buy or sell bill that you have higher expectations this year for the Mavericks than you do the Suns? Oh, that's a great question. Just from, selling, what's that? Just remember, I picked the Suns to make the Western Conference final yesterday. Oh, that's, that information's unnecessary. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> D-Sale thinks Luke is the MVP. That is necessary. That's true. Don't forget that one. So I think I'm selling stock on the Suns. I think, I think Chris Paul has potentially hit his limit in terms of age. And I don't think, you guys know I don't believe in the false narrative of his, of his leadership in situations like the one that, that is going on with DeAndre Ayton and, and Monty Williams. Devin Booker needs to make a, a big step forward. Which team is, you're saying deeper in the postseason? Is that the standard? And so it's buy that I think the Mavericks are going to go deeper in the postseason? I'll buy Bye. I'll buy. I think I, I don't believe in the Suns, and, and I don't think Dallas is that well constructed. But we've just seen Luca can just take over series himself. Isn't it bizarre how how short the Suns' window was? It was really those two years. It well, it did set quickly. Bye. Yeah, thank you, thank you. The sun set quickly. It it takes me an extra beat. No, it took me. It took Vogus a beat just to really be disgusted, but he. <laughs> I wasn't disgusted. You looked so disgusted. But he got there. Oh, I'm going to do a little shout-out, by the way. You guys should do this with your kids, too. So Henry, my son, didn't want to play soccer for three years. So we're like, you can play soccer again, but you're going to be three years behind the other kids, and you're probably not going to play very well. He's like, no, I want to play. So he got out there, practiced every day, kind of got better, scored his first goal over the weekend. So a little shout-out to my kid. Nice job, Henry. Congrats. Hello, Henry. They've also got a kid on this on my kid's team who I, I don't know that he's Pele, but this kid scores goals from the half-field mark. He bends balls around people. I've never seen anything like it. And he's 11? He's 10 or 11. Wow. Yeah, it's... it's. I live in a community, though, with a lot of professional athletes, so I, so I can never tell who's the kid of... Right? Or that could like, no be more. a Pele descendant. It could be. Yeah. I mean, it could be a Steve Nash descendant or a Nomar Garcia Parra descendant. Right. I just found out Chris Taylor, the Dodger, like apparently lives right by him. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know Chris Taylor if I saw him, though. Would you guys know Chris Taylor? And I I love his game, but I wouldn't know him if I saw him. That same thing actually happened to Zach uh, Zach Grinke in, the, in these playoffs. Went to a game in Seattle with his family. Nobody recognized him. I would know Grinke because I used to cover him, but that's a that's a good one. All right, conversation for a different day. How many MLB players are are noticeable? Are like just are absolutely recognizable? I've told the story about my brother being next to Mike Trout at some Cabela's in Kansas City, and just no, like it was Christmas or everybody's walking. Nobody even gave him a second look, other than my dorky brother who, who freaked out. Good talk, good talk. I'm trying to stretch a little bit, Diesel or, or Bogus. Diesel gets really nervous when we when we get to this mark on the on the clock. Are you good, by the way? Andrew, good? I'm good. I'm just, yeah. I mean, and I was going to not talk, so you got to the update, so my good friend, Tom DeCelestino, would have less stress on his Wednesday, on his hump day. Right. Let's get into uh, Bobby Cakes. That's Robert Kraft. Bobby Cakes versus Jerry Jones after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from super friend Andrew Bogish. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. It is Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio. You know what I miss, Diesel? Is at night, when I do the show at night, and we would come back with this music, and, and I wouldn't speak for a minute. Just not talking and watching the producers get nervous. 
It's because you're a good guy. I am a good guy. Stuart Kovacs in particular would throw his arms up. I just saw him walk into the studio. Is he dressed like Batman for a convention, or is that a style choice? Uh, I think it's a style choice, but I think your uh, comparison was spot on. Thank you. I like Jerry Jones, man. He's fighting a losing battle. If you remember, Jerry, and we talked about this a lot on the show when we were on in the evenings, Jerry's had his battles with Roger Goodell. And Jerry used to be by far the most powerful owner of the National Football League, but he's lost some battles, including over contract renewals for Goodell, that has, I think, sapped him of some of his influence with his owners. And that was on display yesterday in what became a pretty heated exchange. There was a meeting of the owners of the National Football League to discuss Roger Goodell's contract, which expires soon. As you know, he is Goodell handsomely paid. And in this exchange, most of the owners, backed by Bobby Cakes, who we, you know, you may know him as Robert Kraft, Bobby Cakes, uh, who's a Goodell supporter, despite some of the awkwardness between them, but going back to the deflate gate thing, that they're through that. That is Goodell is Bobby Cakes Bobby Cakes handpicked commissioner from back in the day. Uh, there was a, a a push to open negotiations to give Goodell a new contract under terms similar to as they are now. Jerry Jones was pushing back. He got in an argument with Bobby Cakes, and then Jerry Jones told Kraft, "Don't." bleep with me. And the bleep is the bad one. It's not, you know, it's the bad. You know what it is. And according to the reporting, Seth Wicker, Shaman Co. at ESPN again, Robert Kraft responded, excuse me? And Jerry Jones responded with, don't don't, don't mess with me. He's backed off a little bit from the F-bomb. From the bleep. And it's funny and it's interesting, but here's the real takeaway. Here's what it actually is going on. Jerry Jones doesn't have the power and the influence that he once had. He lost that battle a long time ago over various points of contention with Goodell. And whatever the narrative of the media is, and I still saw some of this, one of the most powerful owners in the NFL tells, no, Bobby Cakes is one of the most powerful owners in the National Football League. Robert Kraft has his hand-picked commissioner. That commissioner is going to have a negotiation for another deal, probably another five-year deal to be the to be the, the guy that leads the National Football League. Bobby Cakes had a scandal, remember, down in Florida, accusations of inappropriate behavior with involving a, a massage therapist. Nothing became of that. Nothing happened with that. No punishment internally, no punishment externally. Wasn't found guilty. There was no, you know, those charges did not go forward. And that's Jerry Jones' frustration. I'm sure Jones is frustrated by the compensation package for Roger Goodell. I'll somewhat, to a degree, maybe kind of take at face value the leaked reporting that came later to those reporters, certainly from Jerry Jones or someone next to him, that that Jerry just wants proper corporate governance. But this is really about power. Roger Goodell makes a lot of money to be someone else's handpicked commissioner, and that is not what Jerry Jones wants. Jerry Jones wants his own person, wants his own guy. And whether you think Goodell is worth the, I can't even remember, do you sell it $85 million a year or whatever in that range? It's so obnoxious, I blocked it from my brain. But look at it this way. $85 million a year is an insane amount of money to me and to you and everybody else. It's not to these to these guys. It's not. And if, um, if the market dictated what players made, like it does for Roger Goodell, rather than salary caps, I mean, LeBron James, at least several years ago, would have made $150 million a year. Giannis would make a hundred and some million dollars a year. Patrick Holmes would make $150 million a year. So the guy that runs the organization making, I don't know, half or a third what the market value should be of the best stars at his place make 
isn't unreasonable. There's a certainly a legitimate question about how he's compensated, and, and this gets into bonus structure and Jerry Jones wanting the bonus structure to be more clearly defined and less nebulous, but really it's about power. Jerry Jones wants it. Bobby Cakes has it. Roger Goodell is an extension and representation of that, and that's what don't bleep with me means. Don't bleep with me actually means I'm so mad you've outmaneuvered me in the National Football League over the last 10 years. That's what's going on. This is a petty but important squabble between powerful people vying Game of Thrones style for who's going to insert the faux king. And I'm not even... I mean, look, man, like, like Diesel, we can go through the whole Goodell sucks and everyone hates Goodell. The NFL's a money-making machine. All we do is talk about how it's a money-making machine, steamrolling everything. Friday, Black Friday, what used to be NBA days, whatever, everything. It, Roger Goodell's at the head of that. Of course he's going to be well compensated. He's the he's the the, the the Sylvester Stallone of sports commissioners, Diesel. Is that does that work for you? Come on. After? You guys won't leave me alone about this. He's a sly. I didn't know you were a Sly super fan. I'm an action movie fan, and I know they're not great stories. Sly is one of the best to do action movies. What's your favorite action movie of all time? You're going to laugh at me. I love the Fast and Furious movies, all of them. Every That's single not an action one. Movie. That's yeah, not an action they, movie. Oh, yeah, they are. No, we'll oh, yes, tomorrow. they are. Thanks to Dan Wetzel for knowing an action movie he isn't being on the show. Thanks to Bogus for knowing what it is. Thanks to D Cell, even though he doesn't. Fast and the Furious is not an action movie. This show's an action movie. It comes back tomorrow on CBS Sports Radio.